Nothing great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually, just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, here with you on this bonus episode. Like I said, what we're going to talk about today, this is the conclusion to the 1982-83 look back. Of course, we've had to rewind in time because in episode 58, we talked about the cup final in August. We're going to go back to May one more time because... There, I was not able to get video footage or the entire match to watch. My intention was to watch the Porto match as the final piece of this story, the the final chapter, the bonus chapter. For those of you that have stuck through me through stuck with me through these these three episodes, um, my my hope was to watch that match. I, I was not able to find it, so in its place, I present you the nineteen eighty three. UEFA Cup final, second leg, Benfica and Anderlecht. It is May the 18th. It is the Stadio de Luz, the old Stadio de Luz. All right. Uh, this is a long episode because I'm going to watch the, you know, the entire match here and react to it for you. And um, I invite you to watch along. The link is in the show notes. All right. And um, if you like these watch alongs, I do want to give a shout out to Luis Skeda, uh, Vintiun, as you know him, on his YouTube channel. He's been doing these along with the boys from BA90, from Benfica After 90. They watched the the Benfica Porto game from 2014 that we watched here as part of this show back in the second watch along um, in the episode titled 11 Ozebus. You can go back in the in the archives. You can go back in the list of episodes and find that there. They watched the same match. I watched them watch that match, and it was, it was pretty fun to see some of the same reactions I had and some different ones. And some other things pointed out. Um, also, uh, Mario and Alex and Jeff, um, as well as I believe Dylan as well, uh, watched. And Luigi, I'm sorry, Luigi was in there as well. They did under the B under the Benfica After 90 channel watch the Benfica European Cup final, the win over Real Madrid, the 5-3 in which Ozebio was an absolute legend in that match. Uh, check that out. I do want you to check that out. All, obviously, check out all the good stuff Benfica Independent is putting out as well. And I do hope you enjoy this episode. Reconquista makes a reappearance here. Reconquista, the song, is out of quarantine. It is back on the show, and it'll be right up after this ad. We're going to pay the bill real quick, play Reconquista, and then we are going to watch... The 1983 UEFA Cup Final, Benfica and Enderlecht, second leg at the Stadio de Luz. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And check out MrBenfica.com. In the next couple of days, I am going to have a reflection to this project that I now complete of the 1982-83 season review. 
All right, we'll see you right on the other side as we get right into this this historic match of Benfica and Anderlecht right after Reconquista. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Alright, so welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Welcome back to this old school watch along. Let's get in the DeLorean. Let's go back one final time to 1982-83. We are in June of 1983, to be exact, and we are at the old Stadio de Luz, the mythical, the magisterial Stadio de Luz, the Catedral. It's Benfica and Anderlecht. It is the second leg of the UEFA Cup Final, and we have here a full house. We got well over 80,000. The third level is full. Of course, you're going to notice when you watch this, the third level does not go all the way around the stadium like most of us, my age at least, in your mid to late 30s, early 40s are going to remember it, okay? Um, it was before the third level was went all the way around the stadium, but still, just an absolutely massive stadium. So many people. Um, you'll remember back uh, two episodes ago, episode 57, where we had the big build-up to this match, and I played a lot of the audio from outside the stadium, interviews outside the stadium, fans, uh, celebrities, former players, current players, everything. And um, it just had such a big game feel, and you can already see it. So before we press play there is one more thing to do go ahead grab your sagres and ah, all right let's do it let's press play in three two one play
And the commentary is in, I believe, French. I believe it's in Belgian French. Uh, I've got the game, or the audio, I should say, playing in my earbuds right now. But um, I, I really don't understand a word they're saying. But you can hear the crowd already. You can hear the the murmur in the crowd and the anticipation of what's about to begin here. And this will be fun to review because, um, as we found out in previous reviews, looking there at the captain of of Anderlecht right there, introducing the dignitaries to his teammates. Um, what I was going to say, we learned in some of the previous watch-alongs, or in, I should say in the first previous watch-along from 2001, when the clock and the score is not, especially the clock is not on the screen, it gets uh, a little bit harder to to watch the match. I am going to go ahead, when the match starts up, I am going to put a timer up here on my screen as well, on my laptop. And we'll see here. All right, so we now see the dignitaries are meeting the Benfica players. Umberto Coelho introducing them. There's Stromborg. There's Diamantino, Shalana. There is Carlos Manuel next to Shalana. How about those jackets? I talked about it in episode number 57. Um, I talked about th these jackets that Benfica's wearing. As you see there after Carlos Manuel, it is Manuel Bento. The goalkeeper, the legendary goalkeeper that um, is being introduced, I believe, to the UEFA dignitaries. That's also President Fernando Martins there as well, uh, along with Humberto Coelho, introducing these dignitaries to the players um, as they start to exit the pitch here at Stadio de Luz, a final at Stadio de Luz, Benfica. This is the only time they played a final in their home stadium. Of course, it was played over two legs, but all of the other finals Benfica have been in, in their history, European-wise, were played over one leg. They were one-off finals at neutral grounds. All right, and I believe now we're going to hear a Portuguesa, if I'm not mistaken. And just look at that sea of red. Look at that just massive crowd. Man, to be a... there. Well, let's look at Anderlecht start. Munyaron in goal. Perusovic, Freeman, Lozano, De Groot, Vera, Kautren, Olsen, De Grief, Vandenberg, Koek, and Bruce. Numbers 1 to 11, old school. The way that... uh, I miss that, to be honest with you. When the players wore their position number on the pitch, that that those were the good old days. Like they say, there is a, a bit of a nostalgia to that, and you see the referees there with Umberto Coelho. Entire Benfica team is there as well. Here's Benfica's eleven: Bento in goal, Pietra, Umberto Coelho, Veloso, Bastos Lopes, Carlos Manuel, Nene, Stromberg, Diamantino, Shalana, and Shell. And that leaves me to ask, as I said in episode 57, where, where is Filipovic, our top scorer in this competition? Filipovic almost single-handedly brings Benfica to the final, and he's left on the bench by 
Sven Joran Eriksson, who is behind that reporter there. Uh, one of the assistants is being is being interviewed, and here comes the Venya, the his, the the signature Venya that Benfica does before the match to the Tristadenel. They still carry on this tradition today. Um, this is this this tradition has been explained in Historia Gloriosa, and it's been explained um, in the Benfica in Quarantena when they were speaking to Tony. That's a tradition that goes back to a trip to Japan in 1970, a trip uh, where Benfica uh, brought that custom back from Japan, and the teams I think are going to line up now for the national anthem. Something you don't see anymore in club competitions. Um, but here they're going to play a Portuguesa, the Portuguese national anthem. And look, just look at the... That's one of the clocks right there with the smoke and the flags. If I'm not mistaken, that's the Diablos Vermelhos that... Uh, this was their first year of existence. And they were located right there in that center stand. And the two, the three teams there lined up at midfield, and I think we are gonna hear a Portuguesa. And because you know I'm not linked into the audio, I'll probably continue to talk over it, not out of disrespect, but because if you're listening to me, you're probably not <laughs> watching it with sound. Um, and there's. You can see the Benfica players bouncing around. A little pregame jitters, trying to get get ready. I remember when I used to play, playing here in the United States, okay? Um, a lot of times we play the national anthem before big matches or before a lot of – in a lot of leagues, uh, you play them before every match. That's part of the pregame. And it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, – it's an interesting experience because you want to get out there. You want to get playing. You want to be respectful – but the anthem is played, you know, and it's a slower song. But it really, for me, was always a way to pinpoint laser focus on what's at hand. As we see the Portuguese flag here. And you can hear the 80,000 plus singing a Portuguesa. And this this had to be, even for a club, the stature of Anderlecht in 1983. This had to be intimidating. As you hear, Zarmas, Zarmas. Sobre a terra, sobre o mar. Wow. Just phenomenal sound. And this is, this is um, a sound we'd hear again in 1991 for the Under-20 World Cup final that will be played in the by then completed Estadio de Luz. Completed third level, I should say, um, with over 100,000, I think 120,000 on record for that match when Portugal beats Brazil. A team featuring Rui Costa, featuring João Vieira Pinto, featuring, I believe, Jorge Costa, Paulo Souza, uh, Luis Figo, Fernando Couto, as they would win the Under-20 World Cup. There's referee Charles Corver of the Netherlands, okay? Hank Werink and Peter Gans are his assistants, or linesmen as they were called in those days. Referee wearing the all-black kit, of course. That was classic up until 1994 uh, for football referees to wear that color. You see what I think are the ball kids there in yellow jumpsuits. And the match is about to begin. I'm about to start my stopwatch here. And I'm going to put it out there. I am not familiar with many of these these Enderlecht players. And I can't understand the commentary, so it's going to be hard to tell you who they are. 
So most of this commentary will be on this watch long is going to be in relation to the Benfica players. And the match is underway and my stopwatch is running now as uh, you can see it there in the top left corner. Eight, nine, ten seconds have run off. My watch is already about a second off, but that's all right. And just look at all these people as what you don't see. Okay, what's different? This is a major final. First of all, you can see the fencing back there holding the the people back. Um, these fences have been removed from pretty much every major stadium in the world now um, after Heisel. Heisel, ironically, the the home stadium of this Anderlecht side, the, the massacre that happened at Heisel, or the tragedy of trampling as the ball is sent into space looking for Diamantino up there. And the ball played back to the goalkeeper, and he's going to put it right back to the central defender there. And, yeah, these, these fences were, were really part of the problem that day in the trampling of, of Liverpool fans specifically in that European Cup final. Um, it would be, I believe, in 1985, just two years after this. It would be Liverpool against Juventus playing a final at Heysel in, Belg in Belgium, in Brussels. Home stadium, like I said, of this Anderlecht team. And there you see Pietra putting the ball back into play to Umberto. Umberto has got it on Stromberg. Stromberg playing it to Carlos Manuel. Stromberg. And he's he's hit there, but the no call. It's going to be a throw-in to Anderlecht. And... Um, the other thing I notice really missing from this final is all the branding that we, that we're used to seeing nowadays. The branding uh, UEFA would have their their name and their logo and their copyrighted uh, images, their their intellectual properties, all over. It'd be plastered all over the Stadio de Luz. Uh, if you remember our new Stadio de Luz when it hosted the Champions League final, what was that 2012? And UEFA and all its partners were plastered all over. All you're seeing here are the field side advertisement boards, the pitch side advertisement boards. And Stromberg here, still on the ball. What a player this this uh, Glenn Stromberg was, the Swedish international. Benfica pick him up in the middle of the season. Okay, there was no transfer window back then either, but it was it did happen to fall in January when Benfica mid season managed to land this this star player and just to further add depth to this team. Look at that long throw as well. And the ball comes out too. I think that was Carlos Manuel. He gets a shot on goal. And now Anderlecht are gonna play out of the back. Uh, as you see, the we're going to see a replay here. Long throw in. Ball gets flicked. And Carlos Manuel tries to get a good shot on goal. It's right at the keeper, however. But again, yeah, you don't see UEFA's logo anywhere. You don't see the words UEFA Cup anywhere. Here comes a dangerous play. And Vandenberg puts it in the net. But, of course, the flag is going to go up for offside here. The linesman's flag. The yellow flag of the the far side linesman from where the hard camera is positioned. Benfica restarting quick. Carlos Manuel. Shell with the with the shot from distance. That was actually Shalana playing it to Shell as he takes a shot from distance. And uh how about those classic Benfica kits right there? No sponsorship on them. 
Um, neither team wearing a sponsor on this shirt. There's again the marketing that you just don't you you don't see at this time in 1983. You do see you know those added boards, like I said, the adverts there. Camel cigarettes, you see cigarette advertisement. Panasonic, Wallaby. You see when it comes back into vision. Vandenberg there is is stripped by Shell. And here goes Stromberg now. Stromberg's taking it left. He's got Shalana there on the left. Shalana plays it in towards Stromberg, but it's too hard. Too heavy of a touch there. Stromberg again heads it towards goal. The keeper's out, and he gets it. Mifika's starting well. Mifika's starting better than uh, Anderlecht, especially if you take away that uh, offside play where Anderlecht did manage to put the ball in the goal. Um, that would have really, really... Uh, Ruined the spectacle of this game had that goal been, you know, onside. But, again, you see advertisement boards there. And some of the companies, you see Mataya there or Matexa. You do see a lot of cigarette advertisement. As the long ball goes in for Vandenberg. But, but Bentu's got it. He rolls it right out. And there's Shalana again on the ball. Shalana is just a, a stud. He is an absolute crack, and um, really the Portuguese star at this this time frame, along with Portus Fernando Gomes. And uh, do we have a foul there? We do have a foul there on, who was that? Of course, the numbers are hard to see, and there's no names on the shirts, so it's Sometimes hard to tell who's on the ball back here in this time. It's not in high definition like we're used to today. But here we go. We're wide. And the ball was, was squandered there. And I believe that was Alvaro. But actually, I can't be. Alvaro is not in the lineup. I take that back. Oh, and there is a tackle from Umberto. Dangerous right at the edge of the area and in 1983 that is not a booking in 2020 that is surely um, that is surely your name going into the referee's book yellow card would have been shown not here in 1983 number six is, is Carlos Manuel so that's who it was there losing the ball down the right flank quick restart but Bantu is well positioned he saw it the whole way smothers it quickly plays it look how quick the goalkeepers put the ball back into play at least early on in this game Pietra is carrying the ball up he arrives at midfield he's looking he's going to play a diagonal into space and it's going to be f headed by the Anderlecht back line out for a corner kick out past the end line Mefica going to earn their first corner kick of the game here and you see Humberto Coelho the sweeper flying up the pitch right now the Liberu, as they call him. Shalana will play it short, though. Crossed in by Pietra. It comes back out to Shalana, the number 10. Shalana, great play. He goes down. Is there going to be a foul, or is it a goal kick? It looks like it's going to be a goal kick for... Is Charles Corver going to call a goal kick, or is he going to call a foul? Shalana's looking for the ball. Looks like the foul is going to be called. Shalana, of course, in the number 10 jersey today. And remember that in 1983, like we said, the match, uh, the numbers all corresponded to your positions roughly. And it was not uncommon to see players wear different 
wear different numbers each match, and ball is crossed in by Carlos Manuel and headed out past out past the inline goal kick to the Belgian side and their elect. They're gonna play a short corner, a short goal kick just outside the area, played back into the goalkeeper. Now he can pick that up if he wants to, but he plays it out with his feet. And Benfica retreating. They're going to have a line of confrontation. Is going to be out right about at midfield. And here comes a long ball. Benfica back all in position. Velozu there defending well. And Stromberg wins it. It's back to Velozu now. Velozu with a nice turn. Back to Stromberg. Stromberg's going to pick up his head. He's going to play central to Shalana. Now to Shell. Oh, but Shell loses it there. And Veluzu goes to ground to try to uh, to tackle. He, do, he does not get the ball. But there's Stromberg to win it back. Look at that work rate from Glenn Stromberg. The ball is bouncing around here. And Peruzovic is carrying it at goal. But good defending there by Umberto. And the ball is out for an Anderlecht throw. And there you see behind that goal there. There is only two levels. The third level does not extend out behind the two goal lines. So the stadium at this time, a capacity of about 80,000. It would expand eventually to to hold about 120,000 until seats were put in, until chairs were put in. And that would reduce the capacity a bit. And then throughout the final days of the stadium, of course, pieces and sections of the stadium would be torn down while the team would continue to play in it until they no longer could to make room for the construction of our current stadium. And that's when, of course, remember, Befica would become a bit of a, ba a vagabond uh, club. They'd play games. They'd play some matches at the Jamur. They'd play some home matches, actually. I remember European home matches in Porto at the Bessa Stadium. Nene heads it, is trying to get on the end of it there and well defended by the Belgian side. And I believe that is Olsen that, that cleared that out. The current Denmark manager, longtime Denmark manager, I believe that was him there. As the ball stays in there, here's Carlos Manuel. Carlos Manuel tries to put the ball past his, his opponent and run past him. He was unable to. Anderlecht control, but... Pressured on the ball. Benfica not giving them much time. And Benfica quickly recover possession. It's back to Carlos Manuel. He's going to pick up his head. He's looking for the switch, but it's blocked. Popped up into the air. And now the ball is played out left by Anderlecht. Heavy touch. The left back can't get to it, and it's out for a throw-in. Benfica crowd whistling at him. As Benfica will gain a throw-in here at the edge of the attacking third. It'll be Pietra coming up to take it. He finds Stromberg back to Pietra. Nice little flick there. Stromberg pops it up into the air, into the box. Looking for, uh, looking for, I believe that was Nene up there. Here's Shalana. He's waving his hands, looking for anybody. Nobody's moving for him. Shell, Shell will try to head it back into play, but it's cleared. Here come Anderlecht on the counter. But only as far as Pietra. What a rock. That name suits him, Pietra. And... As he is an absolute rock. And Enderlecht try to play a quick restart. Apparently they do play the quick restart. As Bentu then has the ball. Plays it out left. Here comes Shalana. He's he's running at the two defenders. Is he going to split him? Shalana still puts it on his right foot. Cuts it back to Stromberg. 
Nice play, though. Good run there by Shalana. Quickly changing the ball from a defensive zone to the attacking zone. A lot like uh, he looked like Rafa there in, in a way, like we're used to seeing today. He looked like Rafa, the way he can just quickly carry the ball at pace and change the territory of which the, the, the game is being played, of which where the battle is happening for the ball. But now it's Anderlecht. Looks like Veloso made a mistake there. Anderlecht, he goes by Bastus uh, Lopsch, plays it across, but it's blocked. Bastus Lopsch will recover in time to block the cross, and it's a corner kick to Anderlecht down the, their right side. 12 minutes and 30 seconds gone by, according to my stopwatch at this point. It's nil-nil. As we see the sun beginning to set in Lisbon here. It's actually May 8th, the 18th. I had said earlier that this was a night in June. It's May the 18th of 1983 as we see. We see Manuel Bento win the ball there in the air. As Shalana has switched sides and he plays a ball down the line looking for Nene. But it's going to be out for a Anderlecht throw in. And the crowd doesn't like it. They don't agree. They throw it to their keeper who will pick it up. Something that was perfectly legal back in this day. But what I was gonna about to make a point on, you'll notice that Bentu is not very tall. He's about one meter and one meter sixty centimeters, I think, or perhaps a little bit shorter. I remember Moser when he was on Benfica Independence uh, gave uh, Bentu's height. Very, very undersized for a goalkeeper, but it did not stop him from coming out in the area, getting balls and, and jumping higher than these tall forwards. As we see Shalana again here. And now there's going to be, referee's going to blow a whistle and it's going to be a free kick to Anderlecht. And that was actually Diamantino there. He had switched sides with Shalana when they were defending the corner kick a while back. They're now going to switch back. And again, that's something we see to this day sometimes. Uh, we see Grimaldo and Tomas Tavares a lot of times switching sides when defending goal kick, uh, defending corner kicks. And um, I talked about that back in one of the episodes where we were playing Shakhtar Donetsk uh, away in the Ukraine and how much I don't like to see um, a one-footed player, especially a defender, touch line wide on his weak foot. Um, it's it's a recipe for disaster positionally, in my opinion. Um, it's a different story when you're talking about wide uh, midfielders like we are here. We're talking about we're talking about Diamantino and and Shalana in this case, but the players have gone back to their original positions here. And you'll see right there, Stromberg and Shell are playing side by side. It's it's a four four two with the two midfielders playing side by side. As we see an offside whis, uh, whistle to Anderlecht right on the fifteen minute mark, and Bastuzlops is down holding his Achilles tendon there. He probably got. Got a stamped on a little bit on the backside of his ankle, but Benfica's not going to wait. For, it's it's not like it is today. They're not calling on the the, the medics. The, the ball is put right back into play, and here they come. Is Pietra nice ball into space there for? I believe that's Nene, but unable to turn. Here come Anderlecht. Long ball in the air. It's going to be Bentus all day long. They don't even pressure him, and he quickly throws it. 
down the look at that throw. He just threw that ball about 40 meters without taking a step. Shalana to Shell. Shell tries to give it back to him, but it's too heavy of a touch. And it goes into the mitts of the goalkeeper for Anderlecht. As we see here. And Anderlecht are going to possess out of the back for a little bit. And you'll notice both teams playing with a sweeper here. Uh, one of the defenders playing deeper. Uh, a system that I actually learned um, to play football in as a kid. Um, when I first played 11 aside, I know every team, including mine, played with the sweeper in those days. As we got older, we, we got away from that. But, you know, I started playing football in 1988 when I was five years old and um, probably started playing 11 aside somewhere around age 10, age 9 maybe. So four years later, we're talking about. 1992, and everybody was using a sweeper at that time. Here's Shalana. Shalana to Carlos Manuel. Shalana again. Low center of gravity. Very quick. You can see just how quick his fast twitch fibers are when he's got the ball on his feet. And the ball is cleared high by Anderlecht, and Stromberg is going to bring it down there. Great technique from the Swede, but a whistle for an offside on Benfica there. But yeah, the Swede has got a—he's got a big, strong body, and he's very good technically. If you—if you're noticing, um, and again, going back to what I was saying, we're so accustomed that in a four-four-two, we're so used to seeing a holding mid and an attacking mid or a box-to-box -box mid. Uh, that really wasn't the way they played back here in 1983, um, mostly because the what the holding mid in the modern game is. What someone like a Florentino or or a Weigel as he's being used or Fasia, but most probably the best holding mid of all time was was Claude Makalele, the Frenchman. As there's a nice ball sent in, put across. Diamantino can't get it on goal though. He gets it just no. It's Carlos Manuel. He gets on the end of it, but it is over the bar. I was explaining. Makalele really revolutionized that holding mid position, okay? And from there forward, that that position has been modeled after his game. Claude Makalele, his time at not at Real Madrid, okay? It was his time at Chelsea. And if I'm not mistaken, it was Claudio Ranieri and then Jose Mourinho. I could be wrong. Jose Mourinho may have credit for really creating the modern holding midfielder, but basically what that holding midfielder today is is tactically the managers started they took the sweeper that was in use back here at this time as we see Carlos Manuel going down the line trying to get on the end of that pass it's out for a, for a goal kick the sweeper that you see both of these teams utilizing in and you think of the great sweepers of all time you think of Beckenbauer you think of Baresi right those are the two probably best sweepers or um, Liberus or Zagerus that ever played this game. What has happened tactically is the shift is that player, that sweeper, has moved up the pitch and instead of playing behind the back line, behind a three-man back line, he has been slotted in front of a four-man back line behind the midfield. That position still sweeps. 
They he's the most of the time that player still plays as a sweeper. He's just playing in front of the back four rather than behind a back three. That's really the the where that position that we're used to seeing today. And it, it's interesting to watch this match and to see teams at this level play with defenders. You know, playing in behind their back line always. You know, as support, he does provide support, and it also it makes the over the top ball much more difficult. As we see Humberto there get play started, he finds Shell. Shell is going to switch the point of attack wide left to Veloso. Veloso is going to play a ball long. See, the long balls are played into the corners when you use sleepers. They're not played in towards goal, diagonally from the outside in. Like we see today, a lot more they're played down the lines or from the middle diagonally towards the corners. And here is Shalana again, I believe, on the ball there. And he's going to earn a corner kick. No, that was number seven. That was Nene earning the corner kick. Or throw, I should say. Here is Stromberg throwing it in. He's got a long throw. We've already seen it. He puts it on the edge of the goal area. It's popped up in the air by the Anderlecht defender. And it comes out to... I want to say that that was Veluzu. Yes, it was Veluzu. As he fires on goal. And it looks like someone changed the channel here. And now we're back at the match. Veluzu fires a right-footed shot on goal. Veluzu, interestingly enough, playing as a left back here. Um, I remember him as a right back. <laughs> and um, from what I understand and from what you know, my father has told me is he was actually able to play both sides and he could also play in midfield. He was, he was a very, very clutch player. Um, when Pietra would, when Pietra would retire, Veluzu would become the right back. And I'm used to seeing Veluzu playing with the number two, which is traditionally the number four, the right back. And here he's playing with number four, which is the left back's uh, number. So he, he, I believe he's a right-footed player playing on the left. Something I'm, you know, something I'm absolutely against today with the with the modern player. Very few can actually do that. But this is a different time. The role of the left-sided defender in 1983 is not what it is in 2020, obviously. As you see, they're attacking wide, not through the the backs the way we attack today through mostly Grimaldo um, or or Grimaldo on the left or, or Pizzi on the right a lot of times are the wide players. Um... In the modern game, we like to push midfielders inside and and open up those channels down the flanks for the backs to run up and down the pitch. This that wasn't the way they played there. It was a it was a four man midfield. It's kind of a straight line across the midfield, uh, less dimension. Again, mostly because of the use of the sweeper, and the sweeper was always free to run into space up ahead when he saw the space there. And you'll see Umberto come forward in this match later on here. Anderlecht breaking into Benfica's end. But there's Pietra again. Oh, but there's a foul called. Charles Corver calls the foul, and he's not going to have any any uh, feedback from the players. Anderlecht with the restart here. They're going to play it short. It looks like they might. We're at the 23-minute mark now. And if you're following along on YouTube, your YouTube video should be at 31-21, 31-22 now. And another foul called against Benfica. Like I said, the running match time at this point. We're at 23 minutes and approximately 30 seconds, according to my stopwatch at this point. 
Ball played into the area, flicked on, but it's popped up in the air, and here comes Bentu to get it. Bentu's got it. It looks like he took a shot. He's grimacing. Oh, he's he's just going to soldier on as he just throws it wide to Karl Manel, and we're playing. He didn't throw it off the pitch and expect medical uh, attention. Much different mentality in players here. And Oh, yeah, he comes in with a tackle and gets Bentu as Bentu's got the ball in his hands. No call. Uh, no call, no medic. Nice bit of play there from Befica. Nene turns. Oh, it was Diamantino, excuse me, and he crosses it, but Olsen picks it up and plays it up the pitch. Here come Anderlecht once again, and there's Velozu once again, and now he's in the attack. It's a counter. Velozu plays across, across the face of goal, but too far in front of the on-running defender, the on-running attacker, excuse me, and the goalkeeper comes out and gets it. We've got Anderlecht once again trying to build up play. Anderlecht's passes are either bombouge, like we say today, or they're playing sideways and back. If you could do a good job of cutting off passing lanes, not allowing the Belgian side to go north-south at all. Uh, very well positioned Benfica's, uh, Benfica's lines in this match. Clearly well prepared for this match by Sven Joran Eriksson at this time, a very young and up-and-coming coach. We know now, in you know, 37 years later, how great of a manager he would go on to become. And the ball is played into the area again, and again it is bent to, and again he, the player collides with him. This time it's the Anderlecht player holding his back, uh, Bentu may have gotten got a knee into the the lower back, the lumbar region of the Belgian uh, player there, and now he pats him on the back. But he he clearly protected himself on this one, as you see. He's coming out. Bentu goes up. His knee is extended. Yeah, he, coming down. I guess his knee does catch. He does catch uh, his opponent there just a little bit. We're up the pitch now. The game is moving really fast for a 1983 match, in my opinion. I've seen a quite a bit of football from this era and it's usually not at this high of a tempo is Veluzu overcommits a little bit there but finally Olsen is going to lose it no he's going to slide and keep it and he's going to find his teammate there and quickly the point of attack changes but Shell cleans it up into space for Carlos Manuel here goes Carlos Manuel into space he's still got it Carlos Manuel, and then he messes up the pass. Oh, unfortunate there. But he puts a nice cross in. But it's going to be cleaned up by the Danish goalkeeper. Excuse me, the Belgian goalkeeper. And there's the play to Olsen. Olsen back to the keeper, and it's going to be picked up once again. Very, very common tactic back in this time to roll the ball short and then have it passed right back to you before you punt long. Umberto heads it wide to Pietra. Long ball in the air, diagonal. But see how the sweeper is right there to clean it up. Diamantino goes down. There's not going to be a call on that. Diamantino wearing the number nine in this match. Here goes Legano. He plays it into space. Stromberg is there, plays it to Bento. Bento picks up the back pass and quickly rolls it, uh, I should say, throws it across the pitch to Shalana. Shalana's off to the races. Look at the pace he is carrying the ball with every time he's on the ball. He does lose that one, though. The ball is, uh, his touch lets him down there. But look at him recover, and he's going to take a liberty with, with the player, and there's another... <laughs> 
Another uh, whack there. And this time, who was that retreating that caught him? Was that Veloso? It might have been. Shot there at the Benfica bench. Notice no roof over them. There's no no glass uh, roof, no dugout in that Stadio de Luz. Just a bench on the dirt. Is we're going to see the set piece here for Anderlecht. It's going to be a, a short touch, it looks like, and then a long ball knocked into the area. No, knocked back into space, down the flank. Cross is blocked by Bastos Lopes. And here comes Shalana. There's that pace again. This man, he he is fit. There's no mistaking. Left-footed ball into space for Nene. Nene chases it down, but Anderlecht play it wide. Give and go. Anderlecht under tr under pressure there, but they find the hole in the pressure and they carry out safely. We're at midfield now as the ball is out on the left flank. First time touch down the line. A very common play. Um, and we it's out of play. Pietro with the throw in to Umberto. Umberto finds Stromberg. Stromberg switches. Onto Veloso's run. Veloso's carrying it. He's at pace as well. Now he makes his run up the pitch as he plays the ball wide to Shalana. Shalana carries in and then plays it into space where he thought Veloso might have been running it. It was uh, not that well hit. And the Belgian side recover. And now they build up out of their back line. Passing it back to their goalkeeper. He's going to keep it on his feet for now. Look around. Now he's going to pick it up. We're a half hour into the match here, roughly. Just under 30 minutes played. As the ball goes out of play, down the far touchline. Throw in to Anderlecht. Anderlecht here. Look, and Stella Trois, one of the sponsors. There's And Pepsi, there's some of the brands I do recognize. Oh, and there's a foul right there. From Benfica at the edge of the area. The absolute edge of the area. Umberto's calling it a dive. Let's take a look. You see there 29, 57, 58, 59, 30 minutes of play right now. The The game clock is two seconds ahead of where my stopwatch is. So it's pretty accurate. Are we going to see a replay of this? Doesn't look like it. Uh, we got a free kick. Dangerous free kick. What on earth did Anderlecht just do with that? That is... A left-footed player in a perfect spot for, for a left-footed direct free kick. He plays it short. His teammate's not ready for it. Benfica come out attacking on the counter with it. And here is Diamantino. Diamantino crosses. And, oh, he finds, he finds Umberto Coelho. There's the sweeper, the captain in the attack. He'd come all the way up the pitch. He got on the end of that cross. He watches the ball fall right perfectly onto his shooting foot, onto his right foot, but tries to direct it with the inside of his right foot into the goal. He hits the side netting. Befica a little bit unlucky not to go ahead there. Very nice cross from Diamantino Miranda to the far post and where Umberto Coelho is standing unmarked. Nobody picked him up as he came up the pitch. Here's Stromberg playing it in. Once again, Befica putting pressure. And it's Stromberg against Stromberg to Shalana. Here goes Shalana at pace down the left. Tries to play it to Nene into space. It's deflected out by 
Anderlecht's defensive player, number 11 there. It's back on. And I think this is the play right here. There it is. And Shell buries it. Goal. Befica. Shohan. Shalana with the cross. Umberto Cuello up in the attack again in a brilliant a bit of skill here. And I went over this goal in episode 57. He uses his chest here to pop the ball up over his marker into space onto Shell's run. And Shell Han hammers the ball into the roof of the netting. There's the cross again from Shalana. Cuello again beats his marker, pops the ball up into the air, into space. Shell sees it the whole way. And actually, he hits that ball after it hits the ground and is on the way up, rising. I can't even tell you the amount of difficulty in keeping that thing down under the bar when it is coming up off the ground like that. You always want to hit the ball on the way down. He, he arrives and the ball is on the way up, but still no problem for him. He gets his knee over it, gets his foot perfectly angled, and hammers it into the roof of the net. 1-0 to Benfica, 33 minutes in, and the luge is going crazy. And you had to think at this point in this time, wherever you were in the stadium, watching on television, because this is one of the rare televised matches, or listening on the radio, you had to be confident for Benfica now. It's 1-1 on aggregate. And here come Anderlecht. As they switch the point of attack all the way to the right, but it's hit a little bit too heavy. It goes out of touch. Throw into Befica as the crowd are in it here. The massive crowd. And Befica should be confident now. Veloso plays it to Umberto. Switches it all the way to the right to Pietra. See, you never see Pietra really get touch line wide. That's where Carlos Manel is playing. Carlos Manel down the right he tries to beat two guys. It's 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 put out of play by the Enderlecht backline. Here's Pietra with the throw in. Pietra is a player who, and today he is Bruno Lage's assistant. He's actually kind of a permanent assistant, no matter who the manager is. Uh, Pietra has been there for several years now. He served, I believe, with George Jesus, Rui Vitoria, and now with Bruno Lage. A lot of um, old-timers will compare Andre Almeida to Pietra, a very similar type of right back. Not, you know, kind of limited offensively, solid defensively. Um, in fairness, Andre Almeida, is a, a lot more is asked of him. As we see another effort from, I believe, Shalana there from this. Yep, it was Shalana from distance, but he puts it wide. There's about 10 minutes to go in the half. Benfica lead 1-0. And, of course... Um, you can hear, you can't really make out what they're chanting, but you can hear Benfica's fans in the background making noise, getting loud as the goalkeeper will punt this one as the night continues to fall here at the Stadio de Luz. The old Stadio de Luz, the benevolent Cathedral. Like I've said before, I had the fortune 
of of witnessing a match in this stadium before this stadium was knocked to the ground. Uh, it was January of 1996, I want to say, um, possibly 97. It was the I know it was the year my great grandfather uh, passed away. Actually, uh, my grandmother's father. Um, pretty sure he was a Spartanista because all his kids are. But uh, it was it was just uh, days after I happened to be going to Portugal. Uh, I had won a radio uh, raffle here in my hometown. Local Portuguese radio program raffled off a trip to the Benfica Porto match. Um, my father bought about ten tickets, put you know seven of them with his name on it, one with mine, one with my sister, and one with my mother's name, and, and they pulled my name. And you know I was on the radio at at I think I was twelve or thirteen years old, uh, speaking Portuguese to the best of my knowledge and I remember the radio host asked me all these questions if I like Benfica if I have family in 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 the continent and I said you know and instead of saying you know thank you or so all I kept saying was see 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 one word answers I was so nervous to be on the radio even though it was a local AM station maybe as many people uh as many people listening to that radio show as or probably more people listening to that radio show than to this podcast today, but um, not at all a, a large audience. But I was very nervous hearing, uh, realizing I was on the air, but quite a memory. And I I went to to Lisbon. I'll never forget. I flew alone and um, top air Portugal took really good care of me as a young kid, uh, put me in first class and uh, delivered me to my grandfather and grandmother essentially and um here comes a play as umberto is going to play it to pietra pietra is going to try to clear it as stromberg is there good tackle from stromberg good hard tackle to win the ball he's going to take on two still win it and clear avert danger for now and I'm going to finish this story because something is going to happen very quickly in this match. But, uh, yeah, I flew over on a Friday night. Saturday night I watched Porto play Benfica. And here it comes, unfortunately. As you can see, a wide open cross and a wide open player trailing at the far post. And it is headed past Manel Bento. Very little he could do on that. He's coming across his goal line. Uh, I don't think he's able to set his feet before he has to try to make a save on this. No, he never gets his feet set. There's almost no way he's going to get himself in position to save that. It was the Spaniard. Juan Lozano gets on the end of it, heads that thing to the inside, you know, the, the near post, beats Bentu. Bentu, uh, you may be able to... to Criticizes positioning a little bit, but that's poor marking. Veluzo has two men there. That is poor marking. And Lozano is going to head it past Bento. And now it is 1-1 on the night. And unfortunately, 2-1 on aggregate. And worst of all, Anderlecht have an away goal. And you can hear how the stadium goes dead. But yeah, my experience at this stadium, like I said... Uh, Benfica lost that night to Porto 2-1 to on a wonder goal from Mario Jardel. I'll never forget that, obviously. Um, but 
a crowd of about 90,000. It was it was packed. It was packed and it was quite an experience and I did get to experience the old luge just once and I that's something I will be grateful forever and I think I mentioned this on another watch along. It was the only time my grandfather who was a Benfic he was the lone Benficista in my bloodline um you know until until my father came along. So uh, I owe my Benficismo to my grandfather, my Avuki. And uh, it was the only time in his life he went to Stadio de Luz. The only other times he'd seen Benfica play was when they came and played Caldas. And, of course, 1958, Benfica would lose to Caldas 3-2 <laughs> in Caldas de Rinha in our, our home area as they see Bento come out and get the ball. Bento seems to be very mentally strong. Um He's not that affected by the goal he gave up because he just came out very confidently and won that through ball, uh, preventing Anderlecht from getting a second. Benfica look a little shell-shocked. They've lost a little spring in their step, but still making good plays. Pietra down the right with the cross to the edge of the area. but It's dealt with by the Belgians. And the referee's going to blow a whistle and give a free kick to Benfica. In what can be a dangerous area. And yeah, that night was the only time my, my grandfather went to the Stadio de Luz. And it's a memory I hold deep as I was able to take my grandfather. The one time he had no choice but to go to the stadium. Uh, he was someone who didn't who didn't who had never been to the Stadio de Luz. My grandfather never drove a car either, so it was very hard for him to to go anywhere. Uh, but obviously, a memory that that um, I think my Befikishmu really became hardcore that night when I witnessed it up close and personal. Um, disappointment, obviously, of seeing them lose, go all the way to Portugal and see them lose. But today, I am Mister Benfica. I am sitting here week after week talking about my favorite thing to talk about, which is Sporting Lisboa Benfica. All right, I got 41 minutes and 48 seconds on my clock. We're getting close to halftime. You can see the life has just been sucked out of the stadium. The balde agua fria, like they say, the ice bucket. And that's a nice play there by the Anderlecht defender. And here come Anderlecht. Now they're confident. They they feel they got one hand on the trophy already with that away goal. They now know they can even give up a goal. And still be ahead. Benfica need two goals now. And uh, the shock. Benfica needs to shake off this shock. Um, and right now. The, 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 the crowd is not really helping. They're, they're in complete shock themselves. It seems like all the confidence. Was completely sucked out of the stadium. With a vacuum here. And the ball is sent on goal. High over the bar. It's going to be a goal kick to Benfica. And there you see them Diamantino moving up the pitch. Glenn Stromberg there in your screen. Here comes Pietra. Umberto. Umberto Coelho will play the ball all the way to the left to Veloso. A lot of times I notice you see Umberto bypasses Bastos Lopes and plays it all the way to the outside uh the outside midfielders. It looks like 
offensively, they, it's the three of them. And they Bastos Lopes seems to only have defensing, defensive responsibilities here as Anderlecht break. And it was Bastos Lopes on the, on the error there. But the ball is recovered by Mefica. Perizovic loses it there. Carlos Manuel plays it back. And we got a foul on Anderlecht. Free kick to Benfica. Here's Humberto again. Let's see. Is he going to play the short play to Bastos Lopes? No. He's looking long. It is interesting. I don't think he's he's connected a pass with his center back partner yet. Here's Stromberg on the dribble. Very, very good dribbler, Stromberg. Finds Carlos Manuel. He takes it inside. He's looking outside of the right foot to Diamantino. Back to Carlos Manuel. He's going to look for a penalty here. He's going to go down. Referees having none of it. And uh, I don't know that we're going to get a replay to look at it any better. We're on the edge of halftime here. Shell gets the ball from Bastos Lopes. Shell looking. Plays it wide to Velozu. Velozu with the ball on his left foot makes a right-footed pass. But it is. And there's what I, there's my, my thing there with defenders playing on their off foot. And I'm not going to say that he's not a player capable of using his left foot. But there you see Velozu putting the ball on his right foot and... Losing the passing angle as a result, and the, the errant pass is collected by Enderlecht. Here's Stromberg with two defenders on him, unable to keep it. Morton Olsen with the ball, clears it with his left foot, up the pitch. Umberto's there, quickly heads it wide to Diamantino, who... And that's it. Wow. 45 minutes and 8 seconds, and the referee blows for halftime. Again, that's something that today we do not see halftime called. That oh wait, we got okay. It is not halftime. I stand corrected. Olson's got his his hand pointed straight up for an indirect kick. It is an indirect kick to Anderlecht. No, we're in the second half now. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here at. At 53.50 and 3, 2, 1, pause. All right, I've paused at 53 minutes and 50 seconds. And um, whoever edited this tape, we're in the second half already. I was going to say uh, it looked like he blew for halftime, and all of a sudden, um, Andrew going the other way, taking a free kick. So I'm going to take a quick break here. Um, and on the other side, we'll get right into the second half. It is the 1983 UEFA Cup Final here on Mr. Benfica. It's Benfica and Anderlecht. And we will be right back.
and welcome back to this special bonus episode of Mr. Benfica. It's episode 59, and it is a old school watch along. Of course, we are in. 1983, it is the UEFA Cup Final, second leg, we're at halftime right now, Benfica and Anderlecht all level at 1-1 on the night, of course, Anderlecht ahead 2-1 on aggregate, and most importantly, they have the all-important away goal, alright, um, I am of course your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, if you didn't know that, but at this point, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Befica Mister on Instagram at Mister Befica on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mister Befica, and you can check out um, my website www.mrbefica.com. I haven't put anything up there in a little bit, but um, following this, I'm expecting to put something up in the next 24 hours or so. So check it out after you listen. Um, give it a day or so and then check it out. Uh, well, I'm about to press play. All right. What I need you guys to do right now to make it easy, um, cue up the, the YouTube video. Now, before we go on, I was going to say I did select the YouTube video because I think it's more accessible to, to more people. But um, And then I got the little surprise there where the second half has already started and the first half barely ended. There was no halftime in the video, so I didn't even realize that... We were going from one half to the other, and we didn't see a kickoff. It went straight into play. Um, I don't know at this point how much time has gone by in the half, so I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna be able to set my my timer here, my my stopwatch. Um, we're just gonna have to go at it. Um, judging by the time remaining in the video, um, cue the video up to 53 minutes and 55 seconds. That's where we're going to start um, for the sake of this watch along. All right. The video uh, goes until one hour, 42 minutes and 27 seconds. So give or take 50 minutes left in the video. So um, I don't know how far along into the second half we are here. But in future watch-alongs, I will also be using the Footballio website. Now, I know for a lot of people that it buffers really badly. Um, the reason for that, the buffering, is because of all of the pop-up ads on that website. That's why it takes it does so much buffering. And that's why it's, you can't even keep a full screen a lot of the times. And I know watching it on my phone, it's it's even harder. The 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 video just continues to buffer and buffer. But I did recently, and by recent I mean as of uh, a day ago, <laughs> I did sign up for the the premium uh, plan there with Footballia. Yeah, I did fork up the twenty dollars US roughly. It was twenty euros, I think, is the price, and I think it was like twenty one and change in US dollars. I did uh, pay that, and I um. Guess what? All the ads are gone, and the the video streams just fine now. So, um, future watch-alongs, and I'm gonna record some more of them and put them in the can, so to speak, so that we can watch them together again at some point in the future. But um, there will be some recorded uh, um, watch-alongs from matches that are located there. I will let you know ahead of time, and. Um, Depending on, on your pop-up blocker, if you have a good pop-up blocker, you probably won't even have any issues with Footballia. I did go ahead and sign up for the premium package just for the sake of this podcast so I can do more of these watch-alongs because not every match um, is on YouTube. A lot of them are the same, but there are some that are on YouTube that aren't on Footballia and vice versa. So um, 
for the sake of accessibility and ease, uh, we're watching this match on YouTube tonight. But this match is available on Footballia, and if you want to see it in its entirety, I suppose, without that weird editing, I think there is probably a cleaner version of it there. I could be wrong. It could be this very same exact version that is there. But without further ado, let's get into the second half here. So let's press play when you're queued up at 53 minutes and 55 seconds on the on the video. And in 3, 2, 1, we press play. And the ball is out of play, and it looks like Anderlecht are going to have a throw on the far side. We see Benfica's substitutes getting ready. I believe that's Filipovic, and it is João Walsh are the two men up and warming up. João Walsh, of course, famous for playing in black gloves all the time. Um, an homage to his grandfather, who played, if I'm not mistaken, for Berriens. At a time when, um, you know, the club in the Margen Sul there in Barrientos in, Bar in Barreiro uh, was was in the first division. His grandfather um, brought that, started that that um, tradition of playing in black gloves. João Alves throughout his entire career always played in black gloves. And I remember my grandfather, my avô, telling me all about João Alves, o homem das luvas pretas, the man of the black gloves. We see Anderlecht here playing. They're comfortable now. Anderlecht are pushing. They're pressing somewhat, but they know that they, they don't need another goal. They know they can even afford to allow another one. Shalana there finding. Shell plays too. Stromberg. Stromberg. No, that was not Stromberg. I apologize. That was Bastos Lopes. Now to Carlos Manuel. Carlos Manuel started strong, but we haven't seen as much from him in this match. Uh, he's a guy with big with big goal-scoring ability. Of course, he scored the title-clenching goal in Portimão against Portimonense. Uh, and actually, that match would, would fall just days after this one. So I'm getting ahead of myself there. As we have a throw or a free kick. And here comes the man, Filipovic. Again, I looked for articles and I looked for commentaries or editorials to see if there was any criticism of, of leaving Filipovic on the bench in this match. I couldn't find any. Um, Filipovic was on a tear in this UEFA Cup in this season. And, you know, in fairness, Sven Joran Eriksson has some really good problems. I mean, he's really got two legitimate starters for every position on the pitch. And that is uh, quite a good problem to have. But, you know, we, we see today the way that uh, anytime Bruno Leisch really rotates a little too much, he's heavily criticized. And um, there is a drop-off from the, the starting player to the bench player in today's Befica. There's no doubt about it. That was not the case here in 82-83 as I, you know, as we, we now have... Uh, if you've been listening to the last couple episodes of podcast, we've worked our way through this 82-83 season here. Giveaway by Veloso, by the way. Veloso loses it. Here's a shot that is blocked by Bastos Lopes. And the ball is played into the area and picked up by Bentu. Quickly throwing it wide. He loves to do that. And there's Carlos Manuel getting on the ball again. Uh, getting touches. He kind of disappeared there in the second half. In the second Half of the first half, if that makes sense, in the second 20 minutes of that first half, if you will. 
Diamantino here on the ball, trying to gain the in line. He's he is bodied off the ball by the defender and Anderlecht like, play out. There's no call. Um, nice uh, physical play by the Anderlecht back line, but getting back to to where it was Filipovic okay very little uh criticism I think your uh Erickson literally had two guys for every position we don't have that today when we remove a first 11 guy and insert a second 11 guy there is a large drop off in in 2020 that was the case in 2019 and 2018 2017 um that's been the case at Benfica for some time but here in 83 I mean you look at the two in midfield in this match it happens to be Stromberg and Shell could have very easily been João Alves and Carlos Manuel. Uh, Carlos Manuel could play anywhere across the midfield in any of those four positions. Most of these guys could. Um, and here comes Filipovic, and he replaces Shell. So it's a striker for a midfielder. It looks like we're going to go probably to a classic 4 3 3. And he's probably going to play as a striker, uh, Filipovic. And. Um, yeah, Befica, João Alves had big games in the center of midfield as well. And um, Shalana would play wide, but he could have played central. There was an, He has no problem playing central. Uh, you got your, your four backs. Um, Alvaro Magalhães is not on the pitch today. He played a lot as the left back. Sometimes he played left back and Veloso played left midfield. Sometimes Umberto would, would pair with... Um, he would pair with Bashlops. Sometimes he would pair with uh, Alvaro. Uh, Pietro w was always the right back in this season. That was like unquestionable, untouchable. He had a a streak, mu much like uh, Grimaldo has today, of just you know first name on the team sheet. As we see now, a free kick to Benfica. Shalana ready to take it in. Look at that old school right there. Socks roll all the way down. There's no shin guards. He's going to play a left-footed ball into the area. It's a nice ball, but it is cleared out by Morton Olsen. And it comes back to Pietro, who plays it to Bashuzlops to Shalana. Shalana's on his right. On it, puts a right foot across in. It falls for Filipovic, but he can't direct it at goal. Looks like he was trying to combine with one of his strike partners. As we got Nene, Diamantino, and Filipovic all on the pitch now. Shell, the goal scorer, was 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 sacrificed, and um, a very good performance from him, obviously. Oh, and Nene unable to control that pass. Here come Anderlecht. And it's a foot race, and now he's going to play in his teammate there, but it's offside, I believe. No, the flag will stay down, but no, the flag was up. Okay. They're going to play on because Bento came out and got the ball, but that would have been an offside on the play there. And uh, we see a little bit of VHS tracking. There. This was clearly taken from a VHS cassette tape. Somebody recorded this um, from their television in Belgium, as you can tell by the French commentary. But this is really a treat to get to watch. As Benfica try to combine there down the right side, and it's cleared out by Anderlecht. 
throw in here, and it's going to be Bacalos rolling it to Pietro, who basically takes all the throw-ins unless they're in the deep in the final third, where Stromberg comes in to take the long throw. He throws to Stromberg, but unable to handle the ball as it is then kicked off him and out of play for a throw-in to Anderlecht. And you can hear the singing in the background right now from the Benfica faithful trying to get behind their team. I believe that's the Benfica fans singing, trying to get behind their team. They're not even getting the rest of the stadium into it. It looks like there there's some gloom that has come over Benfica Nation here. As uh, really the players could use a bit more of an atmosphere given how many people are in that stadium right now. Humberto plays it to Filipovic, who tries to combine with Shalana. And I am trying to see just how they're positioning themselves here. As Shalana is also playing very wide. It's very possible that, that either Filipovic is playing in midfield. Most likely he's the striker. He's the biggest player to put as a target player up there. And perhaps Nene has dropped into a traditional number 10 role uh, that we see today and behind the, the, the forwards uh, between Stromberg, who's dropped a bit deeper. It looks like they got more of a diamond in midfield now. Yeah, Diamantino and Stromberg combining there, but the Belgian defense clears it out into the stance. Throw into Benfica. And it is Pietra again. He throws it down the touchline, but it's cleared right back out by the Anderlecht defenders. And there's a lot of throwing down down the touchline in this day. This is it's funny because watching this game, it really takes me back to the a lot of the strategy and a lot of the system of play. And the the tactics that were used when I was when I was you know ten eleven twelve years old. Shalana with a nice play finds Filipovich and he cannot handle it. Filipovich looks like he did not come into the match quite ready to play. He was handed the ball on a platter there by the magical Shalana, but he couldn't uh, get a shot off. Angela come the other way, but it is. Collected there, that is, I'm not sure who that was there, but there's Carlos Manuel. He gives it away. Again, not the best that we've seen from Carlos Manuel in 82-83. Um, of course, this is this is a massively strong team, but if you got playing, there's another guy. Look at the socks rolled all the way down. Good old school uh, hard knocks football, if you will. Bastos Lopes with the ball. He's going to look for someone to play it to. And he is going to find Stromberg. Stromberg linking up really well the, the midfield with the defense. Now he plays it in to Diamantino, and it's a foul. Foul against uh, against Anderlecht on Diamantino. There he is right there, the number nine on the night. Ball played into the area, but Benfica can't get on the end of it. Shalana heads it back in. And here we have... The ball won by Velozu into Filipovic. Filipovic looking for a partner. He can't thread the needle to Nene, but oh, very close though. Nene almost finds a way to win the ball anyway before the defensive pair will knock the ball back to their goalkeeper. He'll pick it up and switch the point of attack quickly. 
And here comes Carlos Manuel again. Filipovic. If he could, lacking that last pass to penetrate the defensive line and get in behind in that attacking third right now. But this is just nostalgia is just phenomenal right now watching this old school football match. But also uh, very interesting to watch. And just look at the, the work rate Fernando Shalana is putting in this match. This is this is a legit crack. Look at that move right there. Puts it on his left foot. Puts a cross in. But nobody can get on the end of it. And Shalana is just, just a machine out there tonight. Vandenberger loses the ball. And here comes Benfica again. Cross from Carlos Manuel. Filipovic. Diamantino. Oh! That was the chance right there. What a play. What a combination play. Who was... Who was it that got on the end of that header? Was that Carlos Manuel? It or was it? It was Nene. It looks like who, who headed that one, and it was saved by the goalkeeper. Could have very easily been two to one, and made this a very very interesting last. Let's see how many minutes we got here. Uh, roughly, we got about thirty four minutes left in the video, so. Not sure um, if this ends right at the final whistle or if the video goes on to show the trophy presentation. So until we see the clock on the screen, we don't know how much time there is, uh, how much time has elapsed in the second half. But that uh, we, we got a view from behind the goal here, and it looks like this is the live play. Now we're back live. There we go. Here's Carlos Manuel. Oh, and he's a little too strong for Shalana, but Shalana keeps it in. Shalana runs hard at Mer at Olsen. Puts in a left foot across again, and nobody to be found. Here's here's Filipovic. The ball goes a little too far wide, but he collects it. Finds it to Diamantino. Diamantino's going to cross, but his cross is over the goal. Goes out and curves back onto the pitch. It's going to be a goal kick to Anderlecht. And I'm really impressed with the work rate and the phenomenal technical ability and skill level of Fernando Shalana. Okay, so we are 15 minutes in to this second half. We have 30 minutes left to play. Benfica need two goals, of course. And I can't help but imagine how much different this, this second half could have gone if that header had found the back of the goal as Veloso there wins the ball at midfield. But here come Anderlecht again. Down their right side, Benfica's left side, Stromberg is back in recovery. It looks like Stromberg is playing as a left midfielder in, uh, at the moment. Carlos Manuel has gone inside to play uh, with Nene, if I'm not mistaken, if uh, or we got a 4-3-3 going here, it's possible. In fact, watching the way they're lining up is Anderlecht get ready for a corner. We got the back four, and I think what we see, we have is Stromberg on the left. We have um no Stromberg's playing in the middle. There's no way he's playing solely on the left because. He is the only center midfielder left on the pitch right now. Although, perhaps he has switched with Carlos Manuel. It's possible that the three-man midfield is Carlos Manuel, uh, Stromberg, and... And... Uh, one moment. As he gets a shot on goal, but it's wide.
And here comes João Alves. Okay, so we're going to get a, a central midfielder back onto the pitch here. João Alves in his black gloves. And a little background information. João Alves benched in these two, or not started, as Filipovich is going to win a corner kick here. He just couldn't keep that one. A good sliding tackle from that may have been Juan Lozano. Um, it's a corner kick to Benfica. João Alves was late to a training and ended up being reduced to a substitute's role in both of these legs of this final due to being late for a training. But Alves is on. Who's coming off? He's There you see him with his black gloves there. I haven't seen who came off. But I'm, I'm assuming Alves is going to play there in the center of the park. Stromberg and Carlos Manuel, if they're both still in there, there's Stromberg. Is Carlos Manuel still in there? He would be. The, those would be the three in midfield if they're playing with three. And that would make sense with Filipovic, uh, Shalana, and Diamantino as the. But there's still Nenen there as well. One of them came off. Let's see if we can figure out who it was. Here's Shalana. And he plays it to Filipovic. Back to Shalana. And okay, Nenez, that looks like him out wide there. That looks like a number seven. There's Diamantino. Who came off for? Who came off? There's Umberto playing all the way up the pit. Oh, Shalana, excuse me. These mustaches are all throwing me for a loop. Every player has got a mustache. That is Shalana. I'm still not sure who came off the pitch for for João Alves to enter the match. And there is Alves from distance. Oh, and Filipovic has appeared to score, but he is ruled offside. There's Carlos Manuel. So it had to be it had to be Nene to come off the pitch, I would say, for for João Alves to come in. And you see the offside there. Given wish we had VAR in 1983. Let's see. Is he offside? Here comes the play. It is impossible to tell from this camera angle. That's a nice ball there from Umberto. In two. And I, I believe Umberto's the player that was called offside. He plays it into Filipovic who scores. But it is, So each team now has had a goal called back for offside. There's Stromberg. Diamantino, he's still on the pitch. It has to be Nene that came off then. And I should have it up in front of me, but I do not. <laughs> watching this, um, I'm out of devices to look things up. I got this, I'm watching this on the cell phone with recording it on the laptop. And um, um, I do not feel comfortable using my work laptop to... To watch this match, um, that thing is monitored. It's on a private VPN, so uh, I thought about it, but because that would be the perfect way to do one of these watch-alongs is with two laptops. But um, the work laptop I've been working from home with is not—I'm uh, not comfortable using that to watch a match on YouTube, so that I can record on my personal laptop and have my phone for looking up uh, lineups and things like that. So. Um, it looks like it is Nene that came off. Alves plays it into the area. Filipovic runs it down, but the goalkeeper is out. He gets it. 
And he's quickly, it was not Filipovich. Who was that on the end there? As we see one of the Anderlecht substitutes doing some cal old school calisthenics there. Nice ballistic stretching. Something we know in 2020 is not very useful and is in fact harmful. But in 1983, that was how you warmed up. And here's Umberto on the ball. Umberto, the number three, plays it inside to Bastos Lopes. And he takes the space. He carries. He finds João Alves. João Alves loses the ball there. Unable to combine with Carlos Manuel. Here come Anderlecht again. And Umberto is there to clean it up. Alves plays the ball wide. Diamantino's on it. Diamantino looking for a partner to link up with. Stromberg is running into space. He misses, but it goes to Filipovic. Tries to switch for Shalana, but he just can't get it past Olsen. And the current Denmark national team coach, uh, Olsen, is, is quite a quite a, a right back here. He's looked really good in this match. Oh, and Vandenberg tries to turn and shoot there with a half volley, but he puts it wide. The number nine, Vandenberg. And here we go again. Benfica coming out, linking up passes. Here's João Alves. João Alves looking for someone to... No, he's going to play route one into space for Diamantino. Is that it's getting difficult to see who these players are. The numbers are hard to read as the picture quality is not the best. But here is all oh, the ball is won back by Benfica again. I believe that's Alves. No, this is Alves on the ball now. Alves is going to play it wide. Here comes Shalana. Comes all the way back to get it as he has Belozu overlapping. Is he going to use him? He will, uh, he will not. He'll play with Stromberg, though. Stromberg tackled by Olsen. There he is again. And it's another corner kick for Benfica. And I have to say, for the for the Mishtika of the old Luge, it's become very quiet. As the minutes are ticking away, Benfica need two goals here. And you'd hope to have a little bit more of an atmosphere like you had at the start of the match. Carlos Manuel combines with Shalana. João Alves can't control it. It's cleared all the way back to Bastos Lopes. Bastos Lopes is going to look for. Uh, no, Benfica are resorting to football abombo now a lot of times. And they are looking for more Route 1 football. And, well, here we go again. Benfica's got, got the ball. Pietra coming all the way across to the left side. Finds Carlos Manuel. He, Carlos Manuel feeds it through to Alves. But João Alves cannot settle it enough. To get a crack at goal. Benfica working hard. Benfica are are going forward. They're looking for the goal. Even though time is is rapidly, rapidly um melting away. They are still there's still a belief in the Benfica side here. However, they are leaving themselves exposed at the back, which is only natural as they begin to risk and go forward. Here we have another corner kick now. For Anderlecht this time, Alves just putting his guys on the po on the front post. Nobody on the far post. Um, Moser said in his interview, and Moser would join this team a few seasons later, that when he arrived at Benfica, and here's a six foot three, you know, um, 
what one point nine one meter ninety centimeter uh, height central defender being told by the the short man here. Oh, there's a mistake by Olsen. I was praising him, but that's a horrible mistake. Makes up for it with a foul there on the on-running. No, there's no foul. Carlos Manuel is taken down. The referee does not call a foul. He does call a foul. Okay. So Charles Corver has called a foul. Mefica will restart quickly with Shalana. Moser would say that, that Bentu told him, listen, you you cover there. He told the other central defender, you cover there. These are two tall players. As we see, Benfica still trying to get on the end of it, and the goalkeeper is able to come out and fall on it. Shalena really, really pressing. Uh, Bento told told Moser, everything in the area is mine. <laughs> and he thought that he goes, he says, um, he said to, to Nunu and to, and to the rest of the crew there on Benfica Independent, he says to them, that he looked at Bento and said, Você tá louco? <laughs> say, You're crazy. Who is this short guy telling me he's going to win everything in the air? But that is how Manuel Bento played goalkeeper. He played much bigger than he actually was. And that's why today he's still regarded as the greatest Portuguese goalkeeper of all time. And boy, have Portugal been blessed with goalkeepers, have they not? Manuel Bento, Vitor Bahia, Ricardo, and now, now Rui Patricio. Absolutely a fantastic group of goalkeepers that have represented Portugal down the years. Not to mention Silvino and um not to mention Silvino. Silvino, we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh there have been a few more. We've had good goalkeepers. Uh Eduardo had a good run there. Betu's been good when needed. As Benfica still playing wide. Oh, the ball was played wide to I think Shalana, and he's he's cramping up. Shalana is cramping up. That he has really worked hard. I have said that that he his work rate has been in, in very very intense. Umberto plays it wide. Nene is still on the pitch too. I I'll have to look up who came out <laughs> for João Alves to come on. Ball is crossed in. Unless it was unless it was Veloso. Maybe perhaps it was one of the defenders that was subbed off. Let me see. Yeah, perhaps it was Veloso. I'm starting to notice he is not here on the left side. We have number five there. I don't see a number four anymore. So I'm gonna conclude that without having it in front of me that it was it was Veloso that was subbed off. For João Alves to come on. So it's a 3-4-3, which is starting to make sense. But it's a formation that I find lends yourself to a lot of direct play, which as you see them stretching out Shalana there, Benfica are out of substitutions. They've made both substitutions. That's all you get in 1983. So Shalana is going to have to continue. So they're trying to stretch him out. Interestingly, I wonder if they're trying to hydrate him. If anybody's getting him any potassium, any electrolytes, because he's cramping up, those are the things you need. I don't know that they knew that back here 37 years ago. And here goes Stromberg with space in front of him to run. Another workhorse. Absolute fantastic work rate from Stromberg. Nene will win the corner. Basically, every attack-minded player on Befica's roster is on the pitch now. 
And we have a corner kick here as we are getting close to the dying moments of this match. Uh, the I have 32 minutes gone by since we started recording. So we're probably at about 30 minutes of play right now. And it's another corner kick as the original cross is driven across goal but headed out for another corner kick by the underlect back line. And here comes another one. I believe that's Carlos Manuel driving it in, and it is cleared wide again. Mifika regroup. Shalana wide to Stromberg. Stromberg puts an in-swinging cross into the area. Cleared away by the defense. And here come Anderlecht on the counter. But they're not going to get out of there. Mifika swarmed the ball, win it back. Humberto. Stromberg down the left. Stromberg with the ball on, on the left foot. Good job protecting the ball in swinging right foot across, headed away. Anderlecht coming out now on the on the attack again, but they can't even stay on their feet right now. I think the guy's offside. The referee will is he gonna whistle? Nope, we're gonna play. If he can recover, they got the ball. Anderlecht having a very, very hard time getting out of their end right now, having a hard time constructing any kind of play. Benfica all over them. And this is actually a pretty well-played match by Benfica, I have to say. If not for the, the goal, okay, we're coming up on 30 minutes now. So there are 15 minutes left to play in the match here. The 30-minute mark just goes across our screen. You, it looks like a tired a tired Anderlecht team. They're just content to send the ball long and to stay back and and to hold their shape and cut off passing lanes. Manuel Vent puts the ball into play very quickly. Here's Pietra. Pietra to what looks like Carlos Manuel. Again to Pietra. Crossed into the area, but there's nobody there. Filipovic has three, four white jerseys surrounding him. Not really the right play there for that situation. But, of course, when your body starts to fatigue and your muscles start to tighten and you've put the kind of effort you have put in, your, your mind also starts to slow down and think, in, in its thoughts and its processing and sometimes decisions now are not the best ones. This is where muscle memory really, really kicks in. This is why you, you do so much repetition in the season because when your body is tired, you need to do things on instinct and not by thought because your thinking slows down. Now, you see Brillis, the substitute for Anderlecht, ready to come on. That's going to be the final substitute, I believe, of the match. I believe they've already made their first one as the keeper punts it deep. Olsen again all the way back to his keeper, and you bet he's going to pick it up as the crowd whistles. But he's not going to pick it up until somebody gets up there and forces him to. Well, it looks like he's going to pick it up. He could have stood on that ball for, for another 30 seconds. Punts it deep, and Benfica regroup. And Umberto plays it back to Bento. Bento's going to throw it, or roll it, I should say. Here's Pietra. Forward to Nene. Stromberg. Stromberg looks back, back to Pietra. Pietra still on the ball. Pietra wide now. Carlos Manuel. And into the area for Filipovic. Back to Stromberg. Back to Filip... That was not Filipovic. Excuse me. That was Nene. Who flicked for Filipovic. 
Boy, am I thankful for HDTV that we have today. Uh, it's so much easier watching a match today. Even on a screen the size of my cell phones, I can always tell who the players are. There's Stromberg. Right-footed shot, but right at the keeper. It, in the current Benfica, it is a lot easier to tell who's on the ball. And it's not just because I'm familiar with them. Um, the quality of the uh, of the the video, the quality of the picture, you can you can read that you can practically read the names on the back of the jerseys now. Here, it's hard enough to even see what the numbers are. As Olsen clears it again, Stromberg puts it back into the mixer. Headed back up. Here's Stromberg again. As Shalana plays it in for Nene. Can't get on it. João Alves pressures. And the Enderlec backline clears it for another Benfica throw in. And here comes the Sabrila coming on. Number 14. Let's see who's coming off. Or will they show who's coming off? They didn't show it. When it was Benfica's turn, it took 10 minutes to figure out who had come off the pitch. And I guess that's just not something they they saw as important back in 1983 to show. It, it is interesting as we see a player down uh, probably cramping up as well. Uh, looks like it's a warm night, and you see the team sharing water there. There's Glenn Stromberg as um, one thing that's really interesting is, is the way the match is shot. Is you see a lot more single camera action. Um, they stay on what I, I call the hard camera a lot as clock there ticks down 34, 10, 11, 12. Coming up on the final 10 minutes of the match. And Benfica are definitely fatigued, but they're working through it. Very fortunate for Benfica that they have a four-point lead in the Portuguese league at this point. With with very few matches left to play, they can clinch it in the very next um, the very next match day, and they do. Part of the danger of going deep in the UEFA Cup or in today's Europa League is just the wear and tear on the squad and um, the points that get dropped. And uh, one thing I didn't realize until I did this this. Mini series here, this three-part mini series, and now we're concluding it tonight with this bonus fourth uh, part. Was just how many points Benfica dropped along the second half of the season as they went after this European, uh, this UEFA Cup. And you know, if, if Bruno Elijah dropped as many points as Eriksson did in this in this second half of the season, you'd be call it. It would have gone more or less the way this season did go, and. You know, you'd have a good portion of the fan base calling for a new coach. Um, and that's where we find ourselves with Benfica right now, dropping, you know, seven points, or I should say eight points. They had a seven-point lead, now a one-point deficit whenever this league gets back in order. Benfica dropped a lot of points. They drew a lot of matches. Granted, the difference is in 1983, you got two points for a win and one point for a draw. So you weren't losing two points with every draw. You were losing one. It made it much harder to come from behind the way Benfica did in 2018-19 and the way Porto has in 19-20. and 20. Um, Of course, with 10 rounds still to play in the 2019-2020 season, whenever that is resumed. As if you're listening to this in the future, of course, I'm talking about the 2019 2020 
COVID-19 outbreak that suspended the league. If you're listening to it now in 2020, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Good thing about doing these classic old-school watch-alongs is that they are timeless and they age very well. As opposed to talking about current matches, which become old news very quickly. Now here's Anderlecht into the area. And a good recovery there by who is that Umberto. I believe that's Umberto getting all the way back. He covers a lot of ground for us. As you see him cramping up as well, the captain. He gets back, covers a lot of ground, and plays it out for a corner kick. And um, definitely physical and uh, mental um, fatigue visible on the faces of the Benfica players. They've been chasing a result now. Um, well, they began the match chasing the result. They got ahead for uh, about seven minutes before before um, before Anderlecht went ahead in the round, went ahead on away on oh, aggregate and away goals, basically forcing Benfica now to chase for the rest of the match. And I think the wear and the exhaustion factor is starting to set in as they're starting to resort to a lot of long balls into the area. And that's never been Benfica's style of play, especially not here in 82-83. They've been a team of, of fantastic movement and fantastic combination play, good technical play, good tactics. But uh, they are starting to resort on these diagonal balls. That's going to go to the goalkeeper all day long. An in-swinging ball from that angle, and that's a, a cross we see in our modern game so often. And it's a cross that absolutely drives me crazy because the percentage of getting on it is so low. And even if you do, you know, it's very hard. You're not facing the goal when you get on it. You are you have your back or your side to the goal at best. And you have to change the direction of the ball. Here's Carlos Manuel. He's going to play with Pietra. Nene. Filipovic, then uh, Alves, Carlos Manuel, Alves is taken down on the give and go there, and the referee is going to whistle for a foul right at the edge of the area, inside the, the half moon. 38, we're up on the 39th minute now of the second half, and Shalana, Carlos Manuel, João Alves, all around the ball. This looks to me like a great spot for Shalana to, to have one left-footed. As the free kick is at just outside the area to the goalkeeper's left, to Enfica's right. It's a perfect spot for a left-footed shooter to bend it around the wall and into the near post or near the near post. And nope. I, I was wrong about Anderlecht's substitute. Oh, as the free kick was taken and it trickles in and the goalkeeper gets on it. Unable to capitalize once again, Befica there. This is one of those days where they just can't get the right effort on goal after taking the lead. Um, they've had their chances. They've had the situations to create the, the final shot on goal. It just hasn't come off the way you'd want it to. Not for a lack of effort in this one. As Shalana looks for Filipovic there. Mefica's starting to resort to, to lobbing the ball in. And we have a whistle. There's Shalana playing short. 
And Diamantino loses it, but it should be Benfica's throw now. And the crowd is whistling for us, uh, as the Anderlecht player kicks it away. Ball switched all the way to the left. Here is Shalana once again. Filipovic crosses it in on goal. Gets a flick, but it comes out of the area. Still Diamantino. He tries to play his teammate into the area. Flips it up high, but the goalkeeper is out to get it. And now the goalkeeper is going to stay on the ground, obviously, for a little while. We are in the dying minutes of the match as we watch here. And uh, we see the medical, the medic or the the physio come on to the pitch with the magic spray. Got to love the magic spray, of course. And he's got his little medical bag there as Juan Lozano runs in to, to get some water. Notice that notice that the physio, when, when he comes on to the pitch, he's always got the water, too, for the players that are not injured. While he works and treats the injured player, everyone else comes off and gets the water. There we get a shot of the traveling Anderlecht supporters. You see the purple and white flags. Anderlecht... Um, had won three, I think they had said, yes, they'd won three European, or four four European trophies in the last six years. This would be their fifth one, of course, having won two Cup Winners' Cups and then two European Super Cups uh, as a result of those Cup Winners' Cups. So Anderlecht are a major European uh, giant at this time, and they, are, they do possess the spine of... The Belgian national team that were European finalists at Euro 80. Interestingly enough, this Benfica team also has a core that would make up the core of the Portugal team that would be semi-finalists at Euro 84, losing to Spain in that epic 3-2 extra time match. And Benfica here trying to keep going. Bastos Lopes. Plays to Stromberg. Stromberg is gonna is gonna push the ball. Here's João Alves. João Alves is fresh. He just came on a little while ago, and he's playing a, a ball in the air for Filipovic. But there's just too many white shirts in that area. They know where where the ball's gonna go, and the ball seems to keep getting delivered to where the white shirts are. Umberto, Umberto plays it deep again and again to a white shirt. There's Benfica players in the area, but it again, like I said, even if they win that ball, it's very little they can do with it there in that position. And Manuel Bent is gonna punt it. Ball's gonna go into the deep into the middle third, but Benfica unable to win it in the air. And right now, um, Anderlecht happy to just kick it away. There's Olsen playing it wide to Lozano. The ball comes back to Lozano. He's going to look. He's the goal scorer, of course, the Spaniard. And he plays it into the area. Here goes Brees, the substitute. Oh, and he's looking to connect with the teammate. There's nobody there. Here is Diamantino on the ball. Carlos Manuel. Diamantino. Diamantino looking for a teammate. He go, he's got two guys... In front of him, he dribbles into a sea of white jerseys. Four Anderlecht defenders surrounding him. He 
goes to ground looking for a call. He's not going to get it as we are up on 44 minutes and 30 seconds played. I don't know how much stoppage time this referee is going to give. He gave it none in the first half. And we had two goals in the first half. I honestly don't know what the rules were in regard to stoppage time in, in the, at this era of football in 1983. But you're going to see, yeah, you're going to see Anderlecht stand on the ball here. There are 10 seconds left. They kick it across the pitch. And they have an effort at goal. It goes out for a goal kick as we see the clock go. 45 minutes on the dot. The referee looks at his watch. Charles Corver. Looks at his watch. He hits it, watch. And here goes Shalana running at pace. There's seconds left. We're in the dying moments here. Shalana to João Alves. Alves plays wide and not enough on that pass as it is scooped up by the back. It is, and he's going to run at pace. And there is the final whistle. Corver's going to ask for the ball, but. But the Enderlecht fans look like they're climbing the fence. There you see written in Portuguese, Enderlecht vencedor da Taça UEFA. And actually they're not they're not uh going on to the pitch. It looks like that's they're just turning and facing their fans. That looks like it is the head of the supporters group there. Um but you can see here the Enderlecht fans or the Enderlecht players, excuse me, rushing the pitch. And you see a mob of photographers there as well. Very, very tough defeat for Benfica in this final. And, wow, the credits are rolling. How much time do we have left in the video? We have three minutes left in the video, so I don't even think we're going to see the trophy presentation. The camera's not even capturing the emotion of the Benfica players right now. This is not good, not good, uh... Not good shooting of a final. Uh, this is something television companies, broadcasting companies, have become very good at in the last 37 years. Obviously, when you watch a final today, you see each and every player's face at the end, both winners and losers. That is completely captured today. Today's uh, today's executive producers producing football are much better storytellers, obviously, than they were here in 1983. Uh, the match is over, and it looks like they, they don't feel like there's anything else to say. Reminds me of watching football with my father-in-law, my Italian father-in-law. The minute the referee blows the final whistle, it could be the World Cup final. He shuts off the TV. <laughs> and there you do see the Anderlecht players celebrating with their fans up against the fences there in that corner of the Stadio de Luge, and they are very ecstatic. Another trophy to be lifted. Manuel Bent, give it an interview there. There's the UEFA Cup. Maybe we will get to see it. We've got a uh, we've got two minutes exactly remaining on the the video, and absolutely no pageantry here in in the trophy presentation. It's sitting there on a table with a red tablecloth, and. Um, I there are there's clearly not enough time to give out medals, but you've seen they've they've uh, swapped t they've swapped jerseys there as the Anderlecht players a lot of them wearing Benfica jerseys, and uh, you see another flare go flying off in the distance. Perhaps fans had brought him to celebrate. 
Figure they're going to fire him off. Anyway, they're gathering around the table. We've got one minute left of video time. Uh, amazing how low-key this, this ceremony is to hand the trophy to the captain. Uh, it looks There's the captain right there, Vanderburen. And he's handed the UEFA Cup. And there you see Anderlecht, Vincedor de Tasuefa. He lifts the UEFA Cup. Today it's known as the Europa League trophy. It's the same trophy. No engraving. None, nothing like we see today. Uh, really, really low-budget, low-key uh, presentation. Um, I guess that didn't matter in 1983. Um, no medals handed out. Nothing like that. Um, you see in the background players still trading jerseys. And uh, Anderlecht, one of the European greats, lift another trophy. And this video is going to cut out any second now. Uh, looks like we have about 15 seconds left of it. You see the stand starting to clear out. Um, a beautiful shot from overhead of the Stadio de Luz. But there is the flag of UEFA. The only branding UEFA have in the entire stadium. There's is the, the video ends there. And um, there is no, <laughs> no stage. Again, no presentation at all. No medals, no MC. None of that. Nothing we're used to today. It's nice to go back and it's nice to look at history this way and to understand how different things once were. But, you know, it. I really enjoyed the football in that match. Um, of course, knowing the result ahead of time, uh, you know, lessens the disappointment, if you will, watching uh, that final. But um, overall, enjoyable experience for me anyway. I hope you all enjoyed this as well. Um, this has been some bonus um, content for my listeners. I cannot stress how grateful I am for everyone who continues to listen to this podcast throughout this this um, you know quarantine period. Most of you are in isolation. Some of you are in quarantine, depending about where you live. Uh, you may be in, in voluntary quarantine. Um, hopefully none of you have contracted this virus again, like I said, and hopefully we can get these, this world economy up and running again very soon and then eventually get our football back. Um, just a one note on that. I don't know what football is going to look like in 12 months time when, um, I don't know when these leagues are going to get back and running, and I don't know what budgets are going to look like for these clubs. Uh, I think the transfer bubble it has bursted, to be honest. I think the days of exorbitant transfer fees are going to be rolled back for a while now. Um, I think you're going to see teams have to focus a lot more on homegrown talent, and um, I hate to say this, but I think the way Luis Felipe Vieira has run the budget um, these past several years, we've criticized him. No one as much as me, or maybe someone has, but I've definitely uh, dumped a fair amount of criticism on Luis Felipe Vieira. But it looks like coming out of this, we may be much better set up than any of our rivals, anyone in our league. And um, if that is the case, of course, due credit is deserved to the man, Luis Felipe Vieira. But let's get back and wrap up this 1982-83 Odyssey. Uh, disappointing end, um, but Benfica would make it good on the following weekend. They would win the league. They would celebrate with the Benficistas in Algarve, beating Portimonense and winning the 82-83 league title. 
Um, Benfica would also go on to win the cup, as you know, from episode 58, the one that came out just 24 hours ago. Um, again, I hope that this episode especially can, 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 and this series, if you will, this mini series of four episodes focusing specifically on 82, 83 will stand the test of time. I hope as we go forward, you know, as people, um, we'll get interested or hear something about this. I'm hoping that when they search, you know, this 1982-83 season um, on Google or wherever, that this podcast will come up. Uh, and I hope that people do enjoy it. And I hope this this is listened to for many, many years. And again, like I said, I hope everyone enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed bringing it to you. Um, it was nice in this episode today to just sit down and watch the match. This was actually, it, it's the longest episode, but it is the least amount of time I've had to put into the episode, okay? The prior three episodes took a lot of research. But again, that is what I love to do, okay? Maybe even more so than analyzing the current matches is to go back and get the story. Uh, what, what I believe, what I attempted to accomplish in these past four episodes is to tell you a story, a three-part and now with an epilogue, four-part story of what happened in 1982-83. 1983-84, Benfica would return, and I'm going to fact-check this, but I'm fairly positive Benfica won the league in, in 83-84. I believe Erickson won the B Campionat, and this was the last B Campionat Benfica would get until Georges Zouge would pull it off many, many years later in 14 and in 15. But I'm going to fact-check that before I sign off on this episode. As I bring up my handy Wikipedia page here and I look at Benfica and I will bring up their titles and it will take just a minute as I look at the honors. Benfica are domestic champions in 82-83 like we covered. Also domestic champions in 83-84. They would not win the cup in 83-84 but they would win it again in 84-85. Um... Benfica, as you know, won the Cup in 82-83. Would later that season lose the Super Cup to the same Porto team that they beat in the Cup. But that is a competition that we would always struggle in, you know, right up to the present day. Uh, Benfica versus Porto in Super Cups is like the reverse of Benfica versus Porto in Portuguese Cup Finals. So... Just to close out the story, as as you know where history takes us over the past 37 years, Porto would go on to be European champions uh, a few seasons later. A lot of, uh, of the core of that team was put together by that José Maria Pedroto that I, I already don't stand. History uh, tells me I don't like him. And um, unfortunately, José Maria Pedroto would not live to see that. Uh, he would pass away in, I believe, 1986. As uh, or Artur Jorge, one of our former players, would be the manager that would take Porto to those unprecedented heights under Pito da Costa's presidency. And Artur Jorge would also return to Benfica in 1994-95 to basically put the nail in the coffin in Benfica and and guarantee the Vietnam era as we know it today and players have gone on the record and you can you can find this yourself players like Vitor Paneda players like Isaias told Manel Domazio future Benfica president 
that Artur Jorge came to Benfica to destroy Benfica. Whether or not he did or not, I can't. I was a kid. I can't say. But people that were there believe Artur Jorge uh, destroyed Benfica, and it wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Pinto da Costa to send someone into Benfica and to to make a side deal with someone to destroy Benfica. It would be a long, long time before Benfica would have another season like this. Like I said, Benfica would have another season. The next, the next time Befica would know the kind of success of 82-83 would be 2013-2014. Of course, under JJ, Georges Azouz, Befica would win the league, win the league cup and the cup. And then, of course, unfortunately lose the Europa League final to Sevilla in penalty kicks. Of course, in 2012-2013, Befica would be on pace to have a great finish uh, just like they did in 14 but uh, in that season, Befica would lose to Porto in the in the 92nd minute on that horrendous, on that horrific, I should say, goal from Kelvin. A few nights later, they would lose in the 92nd minute again to Ivanovic and Chelsea in the final of the Europa League, and then lose the Portuguese Cup final ten days after that to Rui Vitoria and his Guimarães side. Um, but from that moment forward, Benfica have had a pretty dominant run in Portugal uh, through the last six years, five titles in the last six years. All right, so thank you again, everybody. This has been Mr. Benfica. This has been 1982-83, historic season, perhaps the best in Benfica history in terms of, of accomplishment because, yes, Benfica have won the European Cup. But in the seasons Benfica were European champions, they were not Portuguese champions. Okay, um, I will fact check that before I sign off. Like I said, Benfica were European champions in 60, 61, 61, 62. They were Portuguese champions in in, in 60, 61, and 62, 63. So in 60, 61, Benfica were, were – they did do the double. So you – you can make the the claim that that was their big season, uh, that that was their greatest season of all time, 1960-61. But they didn't win the cup. They did win the European Cup and the league. That was a double. Befica were on par for a treble here. Uh, I guess we could have a whole show debating which season was greater. Um, but I hope, again, that you enjoyed this trip back in time. Um, for those of you that this was the first time hearing this, uh, I hope you enjoyed it, like I said. And I certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. And what I'm going to do now is I am going to record some more of these watch-alongs. And they're going to be some watch-alongs for a little bit as I start a new project. And by that, I mean a new uh, series of episodes about a specific um, time or a specific Topic in Befica history. Not sure yet what it's going to be about, but I'm going to start doing the the legwork on that. Uh, in the meantime, there'll be some more watch-alongs to listen to, and um, maybe some other special presentations. I have some some ideas in mind, so I will keep bringing you this this content going forward until we have Befica playing football again here in the year 2020. Thank you for joining me on this episode 59. Thank you for joining me. In this look back, this review of 1982-83, once again, this has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Ustinu signing off, and I'll see you next time where we will be at episode 60. (laughs) 
Sem fim 